Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Pod. It's a loaded episode on Monday, as of course we welcome Fabrizio Romano and his notes. We discuss obviously Phil Neville's uh, impending arrival to enter Miami. We've discussed the latest with Brian Reynolds, but also Mesut Ozil and Deli Ali, uh, Marcel Sabitzer, perhaps Mario Mansukic, Tomori. So many pieces of information as January transfer window comes to a close. Stay right here because Kego Lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Go Lasso, and it's Monday, and that means one thing only, Fabrizio Romano joins us to discuss the latest in transfer news, especially in January. Fabrizio, how are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Thank you, my friend. Always a big pleasure to be with you on Que Go Lasso and ready because we have two weeks and then the transfer market for January is over, so it'll be so interesting, I think, this week and the next one. Absolutely. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty of January and all the deals that may or may not happen. And don't forget that you can go to cbssports.com and read Fabrizio's latest Here We Go notes. But let's begin, obviously, right here on Que Golazo, Fabrizio. And let's talk about Deli Ali. Deli Ali, much conversation, uh, possibly heading uh, out of Tottenham. But obviously, as you have reported, it's up to Daniel Levy. Pochettino knows him well at PSG. What is the latest? What can you tell me about Deli Ali? I tell you that we have to follow this situation in the coming days. So, really, just because the situation is so interesting, as we mentioned on CBS some days ago last week, that there is the serious option of seeing Deli Ali leaving Tottenham this January and joining Paris Saint Germain just because the player wants to go. He wants to go strongly. He needs to find his pace. He was not in the squad against Sheffield. So at the moment, there is a problem between him and Jose Mourinho, obviously. But this is a technical problem, obviously. And they are happy with their team and they are not including Dele Alli. And that's why the player wants to play to find his place. And that's why he wants to go to Paris Saint-Germain with Pochettino pushing to have him. So Paris Saint-Germain are trying. It will be a loan, a simple loan with no buy option. Uh, they are negotiating for the loan till the end of the season. So at the moment, Paris Saint-Germain are ready and the player are, is absolutely ready to join Paris Saint-Germain. But as you mentioned, Daniel Levy, the owner of Tottenham, the president, is not so happy with this move. So at the moment, he's not getting that green light yet. At the moment, it's not so easy. It's getting complicated just because if you talk with people around the world of football and not just around Tottenham, but world of football in general, they always mention Daniel Levy as one of the most difficult presidents to open negotiation, also when he has to sell players. Remember, for example, Ericsson to Inter one year ago, they were negotiating like one month and he had the money asking. So that's the style of Daniel Levy. It won't be so easy. At the moment, it's complicated. But Daniel Levy knows that Dele Alli is pushing and Paris Saint-Germain are going to push again this week to sign Dele Alli. So it will be really interesting just because the player wants to go. And I think in the coming days, something can happen. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. All right. And obviously, as we are taping, Mesut Ozo is already in Turkey. He's already uh, ready to begin his journey with Fenerbahce. Uh, what's the latest on that? And uh, Was it difficult at the very end to get this done? Was it pretty smooth from everybody involved? 
It wasn't so easy. As we mentioned, it was like one month they were negotiating. First of all, they started between Arsenal and Fenerbahce to find an agreement on a possible loan deal. Then they understood that it was impossible because of the salary of the players. So Arsenal didn't want to pay anything to, to Mesut Ozil or to, to Fenerbahce. So they had to negotiate also to terminate the contract of Mesut Ozil and now he's joining, as you mentioned, Fenerbahce. So the deal is absolutely done. This morning, the player is going to have his medicals and everything, also sign his contract. So everything is okay. And also, they see United, as we mentioned, when they were trying seriously to get into the MLS, then the player decided to go to Turkey uh, to be back in, in Turkish football with Fenerbahce, obviously. But I think in the future, they will try again from the MLS. Let's see if they see United or other clubs, just because the players, as he mentioned too, he will love to play one day in the MLS. And at the moment, Fenerbahce obviously is interesting for him to be in Turkey and everything. But in future, keep an eye on MLS for, for Mesut Ozil. But now, Fenerbahce fans can enjoy this amazing player. And I'm so happy also for Arsenal because they were needing to sell players, as we mentioned many times, to sign new ones. So I think in the coming days, we will talk about new signings for Arsenal. Right, that's right, because we've said from day one that they need to sell, get rid of players before they can bring anybody else. And I guess one of them is Wendia from Norwich, but that's just an interest right now, right? There's no official yes. approach or anything. Yes, no official bid at the moment, and Norwich are waiting to understand what's going on, but at the moment they only spoke with the agent of the player some weeks ago. They are in contact, but no official bid, so we will see if Arsenal will go for him or for another target. They have a list, so it will be interesting to see what will be the, the quality midfielder for Arsenal, and I think a war from Lyon is really difficult. He's the first target by six months, but it's really difficult to sign him, John. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're staying in North London, back and forth, back and forth. Let's go back to Tottenham for a second, because Eric Lamella, uh, we haven't seen much of him uh, on the pitch. There were rumors of him maybe leaving. What's the latest on him? Yes, there were some rumors about this possibility of him coming back in Italy just because he was amazing when he was playing with, playing with Roma. So we're talking about, in my opinion, a good, good player. As you mentioned, he's not playing so much, but the player doesn't want to leave Tottenham. He's so happy. So at the moment, he's staying at Tottenham. He's ready to show his skills in the coming months. He's not leaving the club. So in general, he will stay for sure. Obviously, Italian clubs... Uh, always are trying to get him back just because he was amazing as I mentioned to Roma but at the moment it's really really difficult Lamela is going to stay at Tottenham and next summer we will see but at the moment absolutely the East future is with Tottenham Okay well let's stay in the Premier League here uh, Fabrizio Manchester United tied with Liverpool 0-0 uh, Liverpool the defending champion of course and there was some interest about uh, Rodrigo De Paul from Udinese what, what's the latest on that is there a deal here is it happening no, with Liverpool, no. Uh, in this moment, Liverpool are not moving to sign the poll in January. So I can mention that it's absolutely something that's not real. Next summer, we will see because, you know, also we have some rumors here in Italy of Mino Raiola approaching Rodrigo De Paul as possible his new player. So he's trying to get uh, Rodrigo De Paul. And when there is Mino Raiola in the air, something big can happen. Uh, for sure, Inter are interested in Rodrigo De Paul. I must has always been a target for Antonio Conte. And also Leeds were trying to sign him last summer. They offered around 25 million euro. Udinese always asked for 35 million euro, so they didn't find an agreement. But let's see in the future. But at the moment, for Liverpool, there is nothing. They sent their scouts to scout, obviously, Rodrigo De Paul, because we're talking about a good, good player, also talented in the fielder. He's always scores here in Serie A, but at the moment, he's not a target for Genoa. Okay, so uh, let's do one final one, uh, Premier League to Serie A, and then we'll do that segue because you've been reporting this from the very beginning. Fikayo Tumori, centre-back for Chelsea, going on loan to AC Milan. Frank Lampard already said, listen, it's just the overwhelming number of centre-backs that Chelsea has, and Tumori just needs uh, some more action. Uh, this looks like a good deal from everybody involved, no? 
Yes, I think yes, just because as you mentioned, he needs to play, he's 23, so he needs to, to find his space, and that's why Frank Lampard is going to let him live. Uh, Chelsea hope that AC Milan are not going to pay the 30 million euro next summer, just because they will be happy to have Tomori back and decide about his future, but AC Milan are pretending to have this buy option in the deal and not a simple loan, so the buy option will be around 30 million euro. Tomorrow will be the day when AC Milan and Chelsea will be in touch again to complete the deal in the last details and then everything will be completed also with the player ready to fly to, fly to Milano. He also had some uh, proposal from the Premier League like Newcastle and other clubs ready to take him on loan but AC Milan is his priority so he's going to join AC Milan also because the other target Mohamed Simakan, the centre-back, he was really close but then he was injured for two months he will be out and AC Milan need a player ready immediately and pay attention to Simakan from Strasbourg moving to Leipzig for next summer as replacement for Upamecano, who's going to leave for sure Leipzig. And it will be so interesting to see where Upamecano will go. Absolutely. Well, let's keep going with AC Milan for a second because they're making some moves. They want to stay top of the table in Serie A. They're, they want to strengthen their squad. Slatan Ibrahimovic, as good as he is, obviously is uh, injury prone because, you know, of his age and everything like that. But Mario Mandzukic uh, coming back into the news, I believe, right? Yes, and what a player. I'm so happy to have him back in European football, in top football here in Italy, just because we're talking about the fighter. He was amazing with Juventus for many years, playing like left back, winger, striker. He played everywhere to help the team. So amazing player, and he's back with the Milan signing him for six months. So his contract will be till the end of the season. Tomorrow morning, Mario Mandzukic will sign his contract. Today, he completed his medicals, so tomorrow it will be official. Uh, he will sign also with an option for another season. So for sure, next season, we will see Mario Mandzukic. Uh, probably next season, we will see Mario Mandzukic also in European football. We will see the Champions League with the Similan. But for sure, he will be back in Italy. So it's a done deal. He refused something in Turkey, like with Besiktas. Something also here in Italy with Fiorentina and Bologna trying to sign him. He was waiting for Similan and now it's a big opportunity for him. As you mentioned, one of the great players scored one of the best goals you'll ever see in the Champions League, of course. All right, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. But when we return, we will discuss uh, a few more moves, including La Liga and, of course, the latest with Brian Reynolds and Phil Neville as he makes his move to Inter Miami. Stay right here. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso. It's a Monday. Fabrizio Romano joins us today. Fabrizio, let's now go to La Liga. as. Uh, Eric Garcia from Man City on his way to Barcelona. What's the latest on that? Yes, it's not so easy to see Eric Garcia uh, to Barcelona in January, just because, as we know, the agreement between Eric Garcia and Barcelona is total. So Eric Garcia will play for Barcelona this year. But I'm not sure it will be in January, just because there is no agreement at the moment between Barcelona and Manchester City. They were offering around 5 million euro, and Manchester City always asking more than 10 million euro to sell the player immediately. But next summer, for sure, Eric Garcia will sign his contract with Barcelona. He has an agreement at the moment. He's not signed yet, just because we know that the Barcelona, everything is going to depend upon the situation of the president and everything, but for sure he's ready to join Barca. He has an agreement for five years, so Eric Garcia will be a Barcelona player, but it's not so sure to see him at Barca right now. So probably they need to wait some months. The presidential elections, which by the way have been delayed, you know, meaning uh, so many different things for Barcelona. All right, let's stay in La Liga. Luka Modric, uh, a former player of the year, obviously uh, one of the most influential players. Uh, the game has seen for Real Madrid. What's the latest on him and his contract? 
Yes, it's not so easy to talk about contrast as we know in this period with Sergio Ramos, with Lucas Vazquez. Many situations not easy for Real Madrid just because they are also negotiating to sign a free agent like, like David Alaba, as we mentioned many times on Kegolazo and on CBS. So at the moment, the situation when, with Modric is the most important for Real Madrid with Sergio Ramos just because they want to complete this two agreement. The closest is obviously the one with, with Luka Modric. There have been new contacts this week to try to complete also the last details, then Luka Modric will sign his new contract. The agreement is really close. He will sign for one year, so he has accepted this condition from Real Madrid to play for Real Madrid for one season. Sergio Ramos is asking for two seasons contract, so for two more years. So at the moment, there is no agreement yet with Sergio, but they are still negotiating. But the agreement is really, really close with Luka Modric this week. New contract, and we will see if he will sign by then, should have yes. All right, a lot is happening. All right, let's go now to Germany because uh, Marcel Sabitzer is a very well-hunted man. People love him. Austrian midfielder for RB Leipzig. Um, we've heard rumors of maybe Tottenham being interested. What's the latest uh, on Sabitzer? Is he going anywhere in January? In January, I think no, because the policy, the idea of Leipzig, as we know for Upamecano, is absolutely the same for Sabitzer. So they don't want to lose any top player in January, and they will decide next summer what they have to do with Sabitzer, as with Upamecano. But Upamecano has a release clause, so it's different. Clubs don't need to negotiate with Leipzig. With Sabitzer, yes, just because there is no clause. So at the moment, the club is ready to talk next summer about the situation of Sabitzer, not generally. You mentioned Tottenham, but it's true, just because he's a beloved player, also because he's a fighter. He has quality, but he's a fighter. So it would be perfect for Jose Mourinho, this kind of manager who loves midfielders ready to fight, but also to score and to give up this season a really a good, good player. But it's not only Tottenham club are working to sign him, so also other clubs from the Premier League and not only Premier League looking at him. So next summer will be an interesting race for Marcel Savitzer if Leipzig will decide to sell him. But at the moment in January, he's going to stay and we will see him in the Champions League. It will be really amazing, I'm sure. Yeah, very much in the mold of Tanguy and Dombella, very fighter in the middle of the pitch. I, I love doing this with you, Fabrizio, because now we've gone from England to Italy to Spain to Germany, and now we're coming over here to the U.S. Brian Reynolds, what's the latest on him? We, you know, we mentioned, you mentioned, of course, about Juventus getting closer and closer. What's the latest in that situation? First of all, I want to say that I was sure that this race was going to be like faster than this. It's been so slow just because many clubs are involved. Not so easy to find agreement with Dallas and with the player, with the agent. So it wasn't so easy. It started in December, as we mentioned here on Kegolasso and the CBS. Now we are still in the middle of January and they are still negotiating. Juventus are really close to sign Brian Reynolds, as we mentioned last, not last Monday. The agreement is getting really, really close. He needs to renew his passport with Juventus, uh, with sorry, when in, in the USA, and then he can join Juventus. But he would play for Benevento, as we mentioned, for six months, and then he would join Juventus. Roma and Bruges, till they, till they have the sign contrast with Juventus, they will try again. They are trying. Also during the weekend, as Roma were calling the agent and Bruges were calling the agent too. So they are trying till, they, till he signs the contract with, with Juventus. But at the moment, you are leading the race. They are convinced that this week they can sign Brian Reynolds. We will see. It's an interesting race. Interesting players too, as we mentioned many times. But for sure, Juventus are leading the race. Yeah, and I wonder if Bruges or Roma could like sway him by saying, we'll give you first team football, but I, I, we're not sure. Juventus, obviously a very powerful giant when it comes to this. All right, another one here. Uh, heading from England to the US, you reported basically, actually, as, as folks may be listening already, maybe it's even official by the time they listen to this pod, but Phil Neville, Phil Neville resigning 
uh, officially resigning as uh, you know with England Women's uh, heading to Inter Miami. We're going to have a lot of reaction on this. You, of course, uh, reported on it last week. H- how difficult was this? I mean, obviously, we know the Beckham uh, Neville friendship. Uh, so I guess from a logistical standpoint, it probably wasn't that hard. But in terms of, you know, resigning from England and, and making a move to a brand new league, h- how much did it take for Neville to say yes here? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm told that it was so easy. Just because he respects England, obviously, also England's women's team, obviously, is an amazing chapter for him. He has been so happy to be part of this project. But when David Beckham called him to have the opportunity of working with David Beckham, in the MLS, growing up with new players, new talents. Now we are here in Europe talking about uh, talents coming from the USA like weekly, and it's something new for us here in Europe. So also for Phil Neville, going to the MLS, going with young talents with an amazing project was something that really, he was getting exciting like in, in, in some days, he was ready to say yes. So it wasn't so complicated, but it was not just not respecting England, you know, it was just because it's an amazing opportunity for him to go to the MLS, to work with David Beckham, to decide also about the sign because they will work together also as an English manager, you know, so they will decide together about what kind of players they need, uh, what kind of project they have to do on the transfer market. So for sure, he was like excited with this opportunity, respecting England, but ready to go with this new chapter and it's going to sign in the coming hours. It's a done deal by by days. Everything has been completed with England women's. So a lot of respect, but he wants to go to the MLS. He wants to join David Beckham in this new chapter and good luck to Phil Neville. It doesn't hurt that they're selling Miami as well, right? If you want, you know, if you want to come to Miami, and it, that that probably was a good selling point for uh, Phil Neville going there. Uh, if Inter Miami was like, you know, in Massachusetts or maybe somewhere colder. <laughs> Probably it was a problem, yes. <laughs> I'm sure going to the beach every day was probably not uh, something that hurt everything. All right, Fabrizio Romano, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, my friend. Always a big pleasure. And thank you for your messages. And I wait for you on CBS and on Kegolas in the coming days. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso Pod. And now we have my man, Thomas Rongen, CBS Sports Inter-Miami radio commentator and analyst. Of course, he's with CBS Sports and HQ. With myself, this ugly mug, every week uh, we break it all down. But I have TR here uh, to really discuss Phil Neville's uh, appointment to Inter-Miami. Now, as many may be listening, maybe it's already happened. Uh, but it's definitely uh, basically happening any moment now. And if you're listening to this after the fact, we really want to analyze what his inclusion and his introduction to MLS is. First of all, TR, welcome to the show once again, my friend. Thank you. Uh, always glad to be on either here or, or on CBS with me, amigo, and partner in crime. I love it. I love it. And I love talking to you, especially about this, TR. You know this very well, both from a coaching perspective to the city, to everything about what Inter-Miami represents. And not just Inter-Miami, but MLS and, of course, U.S. domestic soccer. So my first question to you is, Phil Neville to Inter-Miami, TR, do you like it? Yes and, and, and no. I know that Beckham and company... Luis have big ambitions. They showed that, obviously, in, in paying one of their players as the highest uh, guy in MLS, Iguain. We got Matuidi. Uh, but somehow, Diego Alonso, the former coach that obviously uh, coached in Mexico for many years, uh, I thought there was maybe an understanding that he understood CONCACAF and MLS, uh, where in the Champions League, uh, CONCACAF Champions League, he played uh, several times with his former teams. 
But for whatever reason, it just didn't, didn't work out. The pandemic, that was tough for them, obviously. Another consistency of, of play. But at the end of the day, if you win seven games out of 23, you finish 10th in the East, uh, it was probably time to uh, change direction, including the guy that hired him, Paul McDonough, uh, who had done so well with Atlanta, Atlanta by bringing in Tata Martino. And historically, and that's my no, international High-level former players have not done well. Let's start with Frank de Boer. Let's start with my other countryman, Ruud Gullit. Let's talk about Aaron Winter. These guys have 500 games for the Dutch national team. Barashilotto at, at the Galaxy, a great former player that failed. Patrick Vieira, we put still a question mark there. Frank Stapleton, Walter Zenger, Zenga, Carlos Kiroz, um, Carlos Alberto Pereira, the World Cup uh, that left after a year. Uh, so if you look at guys that succeeded, it was Gary Smith at Colorado, came out of nowhere from England, and Tata Martino. Um, but the Bradleys, the Arenas, the Brian Schmetzers, the Caleb Porters of the world, the Greg Dennys, the Curtains, the Vermees have one thing in common. They understand they are from the U.S., they've played in the college system, they've played mostly in, in, in MLS prior to becoming coaches, and then eventually head coaches have been successful. Because this is a tough league. It's very unique to coach in and also to play in. The salary cap, roster limitations, uh, TAM. I, I still don't know what TAM means. You do. Cap, <laughs> roster, as I said, DP, youth DPs, allocations, drafts, that includes the allocation draft and the college draft. And then the talent level is not what they are accustomed to as former players or as coaches internationally. And that makes it tough. You include travel, three days for an away game. You talk about climatic differences. You're talking about uh, different services, artificial turf, i.e. in Atlanta. Uh, and, which has always been a very interesting thing and unique, right, wrong, or indifferent, do you understand the American player, their mentality? That was the big knock to Jurgen Klinsmann, going back to Landon Donovan, coming out and saying he doesn't understand our mentality. Because most of them are college graduates intelligent guys that want the challenge, that need education. And I don't know if foreign coaches can always provide that. In saying that, <laughs> you got a guy with a great reputation, obviously, that's done fairly well with the English women's national team, um, who failed as an assistant coach with Moyes at, at, um, at obviously Man United and with his brother in, in, in Spain. So the jury is re really out. And to me, the bigger news is that Chris Henderson apparently will join them as a technical director. Chris Henderson has been with Seattle for many years. Chris Henderson has played in this league. Chris Henderson has, has obviously appeared for the national team. You need to couple a rookie international coach with one or maybe even two people that understand the mechanisms of MLS really well. If they do that, they could be successful. Does he embrace the Miami culture? Is he willing to speak Spanish? All those things are important for him uh, to get off to a good start. Yeah, you unpacked a lot there, TR, and some really, really good points. One of them I wanted to just focus on uh, because you talked about the American player, the American fan, which is actually a super diverse kind of statement because we obviously know how incredibly multicultural this country is and MLS itself. It's the most diverse North American league out of any sport. Uh, and Miami 
as you know very well, of course, uh, is you know the Latin American capital of, of, of the entire Americas. And, and here's the thing about Tata Martino, TR, which I wanted to ask you, because there, I, I feel that Tata Martino, the reason why he was so successful was because, or at least successful in that small, in that short period of time with Atlanta United, is because Carlos Joacanegra and Darren Eels understood one thing, which is that in MLS, the city is so important, the fan base is so important that the team, in one way or another, needs to reflect that, especially if you are um, a brand new team, as Inter Miami, of course, is. And Miami is so that. I mean, Miguel Almiron arrived to the U.S. because of Tata Martino. He sold him the project and he sold him the energy. And Joseph Martinez, Almiron, etc., represented everything that Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, and that 75,000 uh, wanted to basically implement. And that's, I feel, what Phil Neville really needs to understand. What are your thoughts on that? Because you also talked about it, of course, is he willing to speak Spanish, etc., like that. This you know, if you represent the city and the fan base as much as you can on the pitch, hopefully uh, th that, that will be a very um, helpful to you as not just a manager, but as a director of football as well and, and, and somebody that sees the philosophy of Inter Miami. Absolutely. And I'll give you two examples. When I was hired by Robert Kraft for the New England uh, Revolution, yes, I, I wanted to play according to my own philosophy, which is a brand of attacking football, but more so blue collar because that's what boston is when i went to chivas usa I, I said you know what i have to speak spanish so my, my first words was yo soy thomas Rongen, el trenador el chivas the usa vamos dale dale important because i got embraced by uh, the spanish press miami is very unique because it has a lot of different influences from latin america uh, to the caribbean as well we have a lot of uh, Jamaicans here, TNT, Haitians, uh, but in particular, uh, people that, that, that are from, from South America. So I think it's important for him to have a playing style that reflects that, have some creativity, uh, be daring, uh, be the gateway, which the city is from the gateway to the South, so to speak. Uh, so throughout this team, that needs to be reflected, it needs to be reflected on the field, but also off the field. And the inability also from Diego Alonso after almost a year not to really speak English uh, speaks volumes. I spoke, I did my, my pregame talks in Spanish and in English. And I'm telling you, after the first game when I talked profundidad eh, and, 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 and gave him real tactical terms in Spanish, the, the Spanish players, they embraced me. And they wanted to go the extra yard because I was willing to go the extra yard to learn their culture. So those are all little things that, that are going to play a role. It's not just walking out in a training field and talk about X's and O's. It's embracing the city. It's embracing your team and then have your team reflect uh, the fan base, the city that it is. Yeah, it's fun. We just interviewed Jack Harrison uh, for Leeds United. And, you know, he's saying basically what you're saying. And Marcelo Yelsa is trying to do some speeches in English and, and the players themselves are trying to learn some stuff in Spanish. There's like a mutual connection there that's growing yeah. and growing. And, and growing. another thing I, I did, I made the American players three times a week take Spanish lessons. And I made the uh, Mexican players, which predominantly that team was, the Chivas Guadalajara, uh, take English lessons. And, and, and I think those are, are, are important things as well, because at the end of the day, yes, communication on the field could make a difference. 
communication from me to a Spanish player or a Latin player where I can't get the information across because he doesn't speak English yet is tough. And what lost, gets lost in translation in the game of soccer, when it moves so fast, could be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, final question, TR. Uh, what, you, know, you know the club, well, of course, uh, you know, uh, doing your work there for Inter Miami uh, and the radio and, and all other platforms. What's Phil Neville's immediate need then to do? What does he have to do in preseason? Obviously, Gonzalo Higuain, Matuidi, etc. cetera. Uh, but what does Inter Miami need in order to be successful in 2021? He's in a good position, taking the pandemic out of there and hopefully at the start of preseason, which will be coming up shortly because they're still starting in March of this year. Could be late March, obviously. Things hopefully are better. And Diego Alonso never had the luxury of having a consistent long preseason because that's where you build your foundation, obviously. There's a core group that is pretty darn good. You know, if you look at the spine, uh, with with some of the players, uh, I, I think he's in good shape. If Matuidi gets a preseason under his belt, Iguain gets a preseason in his belt, uh, under his belt, and they work on. If I look at Phil Neville's English, the team that he coached, obviously they played up a four-three-three. Uh, you look at Bronze, one of the best players in the world. The right fullback is overlapping, uh, and I think they need to play a, a brand of football uh, that's played on on the floor. Uh, and a brand of football, as I said again, uh, that will inspire uh, people as well. And, and although there weren't any fans, the players turned a little bit on themselves and on the coaching staff as well. And I think for Phil Neville, it's important early on to make sure, A, get a one or two Spanish-speaking assistant coaches next to you. You're going to walk in with four English guys? Forget it. Uh, it's over. So that's important as well. I think the Chris Henderson hire, potential hire, is important. He can do all the administrative work. He can explain the, the, the TAM and the salary cap and manipulate the finances in order for him to focus solely uh, on, uh, on, the, on, on team building and putting a team on the field that, as I said again, is colorful because that's what Miami is. This, of course, also means David Beckham is clearly having more of a say and more of a, a stand with Inter-Miami, uh, how do you feel about that? Um, more hands-on approach, probably more trips to Miami, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's, I think he, he was there last week, uh, this past week, and how do you feel about it, him taking more of a hands-on approach with Inter-Miami? I think it's important. I think it's important uh, after a poor season that the most recognizable person in his organization, which is David Beckham, is takes a more hands-on approach. And yes, he, he, he was here and will be here more often travel permitted, which I think is, is, is important. Yes, he will be the one obviously making decisions in regard to, uh, uh, to hiring the new, uh, new head coach. Uh, and it would be nice for him to be part of preseason uh, some days or some weeks to show that uh, he's not an absentee owner, that he cares about this, this group and team uh, and, and cares about the project uh, going through the second year. And as I said again, I think they're ambitious. They want to do well, and Beckham is setting the tone right now, which I which I really applaud. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Well, Tr, thank you so much for joining us. It's always good to have you on Kegolasso. Don't forget that you can follow Thomas Rangan on Twitter, T Rangan, and you can watch him on CBS Sports HQ every week, and of course, Inter Miami when the season begins. Tr, thank you so much, bud. Thank you. I want to thank. 
Fabrizio Romano and Thomas Rongen for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you're listening on a smart speaker, don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the latest episode of CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. Or, hey, Google, play the latest episode of CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you next time.